from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. Hello, Catherine. Hello, Dominic. How are you this morning? I'm good. It's not morning time for me. It's almost dinner time. It's early bird special time here in the UK. Well, that just sounds delicious. Yep. Too early <laughs> for me. I can't. Can you believe we've gone through season one already? I know. Honestly, it just flew by. Well, shall we dive in? We absolutely should. Today's episode, at long last, we are dealing with the finale of season one. Season one, episode 13, entitled Morning Star. The air date was April 5th, 2016, written by Pete Binswanger, one of our absolute favorites, directed by another one of our favorites, J. Miles Dale. And here we are in episode season one, episode 13, Morning Star. The hunt is on. Jace, who is still reeling from everything that happened, makes hunting down Valentine his number one priority, even though he continues to wrestle with his conflicted feelings. In hopes of finding a way to stop Valentine before it's too late, Clary and Simon must find the key to unlocking Jocelyn's coma. But that key to unlocking Jocelyn's spell may just undo the Downworld or Peace Treaty. Simon's relationship with Raphael and the vampire clan in in the process. Woo, high stakes. Forgive my pun. High stakes. 
interestingly, like, this is the highest stakes that we've dealt with in season one. And you're like, where do you go from yeah. here? And then we come back with season two and we're like, we'll show you. It gets much worse. <laughs> we'll show you. It ya. gets much worse. We'll show you. Fun facts about episode 13, season one, the finale. Shooting ran from September 30th to October 9th, 2015. Reshoots for the season were filmed after this. Did we have, did I have any reshoots? I don't think so. Or did we? We did. We added like four scenes at the end that were throughout the season. And I don't know. What? I don't know if you had any more than just pickup shots, but I know I had a whole scene with Emerald that was added into like episode five or something. And wow. And then Matt had a couple scenes and it was, yeah, it was at the end of season one. We had to sort of revisit a bunch of stuff because they, they had the whole season by then and they went, oh, wait, this piece of story is missing and we want to connect this relationship a little bit more. And we have five extra minutes in this episode and it all kind of just wove together beautifully. Wow. I had no idea. Morningstar <laughs> is a reference to the meaning of German translation of Clary and Valentine's last names. Morgan Stern. Morgan meaning morning and Stern meaning star. This family has associated its meaning to the Bible verse, Isaiah 14, 12, which states, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? I don't know if I got that right. I hope I did. Uh, the verse directly refers to Lucifer, the fallen angel. Indeed it does. More on that in season three. Clary says that Camille lives in... Alucard Apartments? Alucard? Alucard mm -hmm. is Dracula yeah. spelled backwards. No way. How did we not notice this? Not a clue. <laughs> it's been three three wow. seasons. How did we Pete, not clock that? I can imagine I Pete know. just sitting in the writer's room like, this is my fun little vampire <laughs> thing I'm going to put in there. Yeah. How funny. Wow. Well, Com just completely Pete, missed it. You got us. He did. Yeah. He surely did. You had um, the best Kat, is there any book to screen stuff we can talk about? Um, no, there's there's actually some really interesting ones in this episode. Um, I don't know if you got this from the book, Stomp, but there actually is a boat that Valentine has, his sort of Ark of the Unholy Covenant, as it were, that uh, that is in the second book. Interesting. Um, or I don't know if it's Valentine. It's Valentine's boat, and then I think we take it over at some point. I can't remember. There's a boat. But it's in book two. Okay. Um, and we bring it into this episode. And it it shows up in season two for a, for a hot minute. Yeah. It's, hot being the key word. God, yeah. Hot and cold uh, <laughs> and dangerous and just a <laughs> floating conductor with Ooh. the impending lightning storm working its way. Like the fun thing about this, so this boat is moored. Uh, well, actually, we should talk about it when we reach the yeah. boat. Um, we'll talk about it later. I think, I think next boat. episode is better to talk about the boat. Very possibly. Also, the Book of the White. Yes. Yes. Uh, the Book of the White is also directly from the books. And uh, there's a similar conversation between Jason Valentine, as we see in this episode, um, in City of Ashes, which is book two. But again, as we've seen over and over again in our series, our writers have very smartly taken key moments from the books and key plot points and sort of rearranged them and shifted them to make our plot mm -hmm. more conducive to television. Um, and it makes it more exciting for people that know the books cover to cover. I It does. Like, I've got to do this two or three times where you make a choice as a character and nobody else is supposed to know your motivations. The audience is supposed to like draw their own motivations. I had to do it in Penny Dreadful. I did it at the end of Shadowhunters. And like, I remember doing press for the finale because we were one of the very few Netflix shows yeah. that aired episodically. So it was week by week yeah. we aired. It wasn't a binge watching show. And it was interesting because 
I got a lot of questions when we were doing press about like, what are your motivations at the end of the season? And I was like, <laughs> that's for me to know. I know and Miles knows, yeah. uh, but that's kind of it. Like we, and the writers obviously know, but like, that's it. And I got to do a similar thing in Penny, which is really cool where like his motives, Kurt's motives were known to myself and to John Logan, the showrunner. And that's kind of it. And I get asked about it a lot. What were his motivations? And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's on you. You, the clues are there if you want to figure it out, but draw your own assumptions. Anywho, without any further ado and no more gilding Let's the lily, in. shall we jump in? Or is there anything I missed? I don't think there's anything we missed because a lot so. of it, I think, is very spoilery. So we don't want to we don't want to dive in too soon. Yeah. So we start out having just come off the shocking realization that none other than our beloved Hot Hodge Starkweather is in fact the traitoriest of traitors. Bastard. <sighs> Bastard indeed. Honestly, what was he thinking? What's wrong with you? Well, I mean, if you've been, you know, promised your freedom after. Decades of being uh, trapped in the Institute. I think all of us after the pandemic, having been trapped in our houses. It's not that bad. If he'd have stuck it out till season two, the Institute actually got really nice. It wasn't such a nightmare in season two. He would have, maybe he wouldn't have, if we'd have left the traitor storyline season two, maybe it wouldn't have made sense because they're like, what do you mean you're trapped? This place is really nice. Like, don't (laughs) worry about it. Whereas in season one, you're like, "Mm, that place looks like a bit of a nightmare. I get it. But we, the Shadowhunters, do not yet know that Hodge is the traitor. Audience knows, yes. but we don't. We do. And Valentine knows, and maybe Jocelyn knows, because I think she can hear while she's unconscious. I can't really remember what we landed on with that. But the audience oh. doesn't know. So what we are left with... Uh, sorry, the audience does know. We don't know. Right. Uh, but what we're left with is off the sort of reeling magnificence of uh, the end of episode... 11 and 12, the big drum bombs that are dropped in those episodes. Blah, 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 blah. I'll get my lines right. Um, Jason Clary are left to talk Mm. for the first time. They have some shit to work through because they were falling in love and all of a sudden they're brother and sister and that's kind of gross. So they have to discuss it. You, yeah, Clary sort of drags Jace down a, a, quasi memory lane i say quasi because we know what happens later but just in case you (laughs) don't stay with us yeah (laughs) cat tell us about what's going on here so we're in clary's bedroom and as if there wasn't enough emotional baggage to deal with clary's like hey just so you know um i know you think our mom abandoned you and threw you out like yesterday's garbage but she didn't and also here's a bunch of your old baby stuff and uh now they're sitting in Clary's bedroom discussing it. And as with Jace, he doesn't handle emotional situations very well. So he gets a bit cross. Well, well, well. I think this is somewhat the exception of this. Like, he's furious. He's furious that he's been lied to. He's furious at his adopted parents because they were circle members. He's furious at his seemingly legitimate parents because he was abandoned and or raised slash tortured through the first 10 years of his life. And as he says, and I agree with him here, as he says, you know, a little box of trinkets doesn't change the fact that you weren't there. Like, oh, that's well and good that you watched over me from a distance. But like, I had to deal with all this shit on my own. Mm-hmm. Like I was, you weren't there. And I understand why he's angry. Also, fun little clue for the future. Um, we saw the hair, right? There was a little like lock of hair mm-hmm. in that little lock of blonde mm-hmm. hair. It's the wrong color. It is, isn't it? Huh. You eagle-eyed fans. It's much more, mm. uh, I, I want to say Elizabethan, but... 
maybe more Tudor. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. I think it does have a very Tudor-esque uh, right? hue, hue I thought so. to it. Hmm. Hue. I wonder who might... It has uh, a Tudor hue. It has a Tudor hue. Who might um, Honestly, that? sometimes my genius just amazes myself. Uh, it's crazy, right? It it's is. crazy. Um, hmm. But we have to wait a whole other half season it's before true. any of those questions slash horrible clues that we just dropped get answered. Well, our lovely Although angels, if we gave you all the answers right the away, there would be no show. We have to leave something. Agreed. Agreed. So now we go look. We know the Book of the White is in Camille's possession. Mm -hmm. And as much as we all hate her, we got to talk to her. So who do we go to but our resident yeah. vampire bridge, Simon Lewis? Simon Lewis. Simon Lewis with the answers. Which I love that in this episode, Simon gets a chance to, you know, even Jace acknowledges the fact that he has a role to play in this. And that, you know, we we Simon has a chance to to do something, you know? Somewhat begrudgingly, but yeah, totally. He says something here. I can't remember what it is. I watched it earlier and it makes me laugh. He goes, uh, you say like, oh, we're looking for the Book of the White and we found this clue and you hold it, the bookmark up and he goes, the bookmark of the white? <laughs> and Jason in the back just goes, oh, God, I fucking hate you. <laughs> but you are our only chance, so I'm going to let this go. But uh, really made me laugh. <laughs> oh, that was really funny. Like, oh, I have to deal with the vampire. <laughs> Alberto's so good at like... But Alberto's so good at it. Like he knows, he knows that Simon riles up Jace, so he really like plays with it, and it's really fun to do that stuff with him. Um, but you're right; it's a nice moment that we get to acknowledge um, the new uh, status that that Simon has within the Down World. He gets to explore being like a dignitary, almost yeah. like a, a an ambassador. A shadow hunter slash vampire ambassador. Yeah, and it's a hint at this beginning that we see of this generation being the generation of shadow hunters and downworlders that call into question all the ways that things have been done and the roles that have been played by everyone in the downworld. And um, it's it's a little a little whisper to the future. Lots of foreshadowing in this episode. My goodness, it's like it's a season finale Lots or of something. Foreshadowing in this episode. I that's what I was just about to say. The season finales. That's where you got to start. You got to start hooking fishies to bring them back in. You know what I mean. You got to start hooking them, and that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. We're throwing lines out left, right, and center in the first act of this. Ugh, this scene with Alec and Maris absolutely breaks my heart because Alec is yeah. really trying to reach out, and even yeah, he just gets shut down left, right, and center. You know what's interesting though is this: it's just good storytelling. Mm -hmm. Like you need somewhere to go, um, and if they were both just kind of okay with it, there's no conflict. Also, like. As terrible as it is, like this generational thing, I sort of get their position there. It's not I, what Maris says there, which is interesting, um, is it's got. It doesn't matter that it's that he's a guy. Yeah. It doesn't matter that he's a male. That doesn't matter to me. the The sexuality of it doesn't matter to me. What matters is you're dating like this grand Lothario that everyone in the in the world has heard mm. of. And I sort of get that from a mother's point of view. I sort of get this like protective, but then I guess she's not being as protective of her son as she is the name, the Lightwood name, yeah. which is a little dastardly. But I choose to think that she's trying to protect him because that's sort of where we end up with her story arc. And I think she probably is. I just think she can't admit it yet. You know what I mean? Like there's a bit of her that yeah. she can't quite. She just needs a little time. Yeah. And as, you know, Robert Lightwood smartly says. Yeah. 
which ooh, the, all of our parentals come become very questionable in the future. I'm just get bits of story yeah. coming back to me. Oof. But then but the question is, Lydia's missing. Yes. Poor Lydia's gone somewhere. We, the audience know, we the audience know, but sh- fucking dumb shadow hunters don't know because we never know no. what's going on or where anybody is. We're constantly losing people and things and the most important items in the shadow world just go missing. You know, no big deal. Um, so Alec, the hero that he is, is on the hunt as it were, mm. poor lost lady Lydia. And he finds her not only unconscious, but missing the mortal cup, the most important of the instruments that we have slash know of, because one of them we don't even know, right? We don't know what the mirror is. Yet. No, we don't know what the mirror is. And the sword, I think we know it exists, but it's no one really knows. We don't know it's an instrument. Yeah, we don't really know where it is at this point. Like these instruments are kept under lock and key. We do, um, the Silent Brothers have it. Oh, that's right. That is the sword. So the sword is kept. You Remember, because they poked you in the face oh, in episode right. two. That's right. And yeah, so we know where the sword is, and but it's kept under lock and key. The cup has been missing forever, but yeah. now we have it, and now you know Big Bad mm-hmm. has it. And the mirror is a bit of a legend at this mm-hmm. point. It's no one really knows if it exists or what it actually is. To be figured out later on in season two. Indeed. We have Lydia uttering. Many thanks to a, a graciously a graciously placed painting. <laughs> huh. One of those one of those fortuitous things. I love how we're all one still those, dressed yeah. for the wedding. I th- it's so funny. It's like we, you know, yeah. we never see the shadow hunters stop to shower or eat or change. We do see them eat once, but not till season three. <laughs> we do. We had a breakfast scene in season three. That's right. And it, I think the only, I think that's why they only put it in once because it was a disaster. Yeah. Like they kept feeding me bacon. We're gonna get Drew Potter in um, at some point, who was our a camera operator. And I, he was, I could see him like chuckling behind the camera because yeah. I had a real issue with. I was like talking and I just couldn't get bacon in my mouth. For some reason, I've been doing it for, you know, almost 30 years at this point, yeah. And I just couldn't get it in my face. So I kept missing and dropping bits. And then they'd have to come and wipe like bacon off my face. It was a whole night. We were all just and a mess. And that's probably why we didn't do very many eating <laughs> scenes. Yeah. But here we are back at the monitor. We've got Izzy on the Izzy on the, the case trying to figure out. The clickety-clack. Where Valentine is and what actually happened. Mm. Um, because we know Hodge is missing. And this is where all. No, Hodge is missing. Is well. Revealed. Do we know Hodge is missing yet? Uh, we know no one's yes, seen him. Yes, we must him. do. Yeah, we know no one has seen him, and we can't find there him. There we go. Yeah, we did a little, I assume there's some kind of intercom. Got it. Where we go, you know, paging Hodge to the mission control center, paging Hodge to the right, yeah. control center, and he that didn't show sense. up. Um, yeah. Right? That's how it works. He sure didn't. <laughs> I think so, yeah. I mean, it's never really been alluded to. We just sort of turn up where we're needed, yeah. but yeah. Then we get to see, you know, badass John Core doing his thing. Unfortunately, for nefarious reasons. This was one of my favorite episodes with him because we I we got to like watch him train a couple of times, but I wasn't part of it. And then I wasn't there the day with the Forsaken either because I was off somewhere else doing a Jace thing. Yeah. And John is John came in as this like incredibly talented martial artist. And I, I know for a fact since then has has progressed even further as a gymnast and as a martial artist. But he it, like got to like I got to play with him for the first time in this episode and it was like wow I'm really being put through my places paces here like this this guy's really talented but we get to touch on the Sealy ring which we talked about last episode We're like wait how did he get the ring oh wait a minute as always is the case with Valentine nothing happens by mistake that random forsaken attack nope. hmm 
Not a mistake. The fact yep. that he was so easy to take down, also not a mistake. It was all planned. Yeah, and he wasn't even that easy. It was actually quite difficult. He he leveled the challenge for the amount and the talent of Shadowhunters that was inside the Institute. And there it is. Fights Forsaken, steals a ring. Hodge, how could you, buddy? How could how you? How could you? Oh, we loved you, man. I mean, we all know from Brutal. this last couple of years that you, you trap someone in a house for too long. We all go a little stir crazy, make decisions that we maybe regret. Who knows? Yeah, well... There's stir crazy, and then there's giving the nuclear launch codes to Hitler. You know what I mean? Like, there's a balance there. And I think Hodge stepped over the line personally. I don't know if Valentine is our Hitler. I don't know if that's a parallel we want to make here. But I mean, not no. He gave Big Bad the Big Bad key. Yeah. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. And here we are at the boat. Oh, this fucking boat. This boat, man. I th- So here's what we should know about the boat. There's so much happened on this boat. So much happens on this boat. So, yeah, it must have been at the end of this season and at the beginning of season one, it was hot. So the top of this boat is like a big, just a big, like, irradiating... Well, this was October. Oh, so this was this was the cold day. This is when it was really cold. This was when it was cold. That's right. Yeah, I remember you, hearing, you telling me about this because I wasn't there that day. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, yeah. very, very cold. Um, but interestingly, so this shot where we come up and the boat is on is moored at the at the dock. 
that's how the boat always is. It's decommissioned. It doesn't, it doesn't sail anymore yeah. ever. Um, so the boat is always in one place. So whenever you see that boat out in the water, it's fully CGI. They just put it out there. So we, had, and it was a whole, the boat was a whole nightmare when you had to get 200 background on. There was literally one little staircase up the side, which you can actually see in the shot when you see the big wide of the boat. That was the only way to get on and off this boat. It was freezing cold and it's, it's, I was going to say parked. It's not parked. It's moored on one of the Great Lakes, Lake Ontario, which is this massive, yes. massive, like it looks like an ocean, massive. So you are just completely at the mercy of the elements. Like if it was raining, you're going to get rained on. If it's mm -hmm. snowing, you're going to get snowed on. And as we find out in season two, if lightnings are coming, you just get to watch lightning are coming and you get to see it get closer and closer. Mm-hmm. Just a bit of something I noticed. This is a giant vat of blood that Valentine yeah. has just just yeah. sitting just sitting on the, yeah. on the does it have man, to be angel you, blood uh i think it does i mean right that's a bit of a thing i never thought about that's i mean maybe it's diluted angel blood cuz that's a lot of it's a, a lot, lot of, of blood. blood it's a lot of blood but also valentine's killed a lot of shadow hunters so that kind of makes sense well, that's true yeah, I guess you could exsanguinate every yeah. person you kill he also then, says which i think was quite fun in this scene he says I'm going to use this cup to purify this blood. And it goes like a yellowy color. And I'm like, I don't know if that's pure. I don't know if that's better. Like if my Brita filter purified my water and it went yellow, I'd be like, mm, excuse me, refund, please. This is not. Probably time to change the filter at that point. Yeah, but this I think scene so. is so, this, this really speaks to Alan's kind of prowess at playing mm. just a great, nuanced villain but there's such a brutality to valentine and such a cunning to him as a battle strategist because yeah he's yeah hodge has provided him the key that he needs all well and good but he owes hodge nothing in yeah. his mind because hodge is found to be a traitor and known to be a traitor so why would you want a traitor on your team if well, he that's can be the whole thing so isn't easily? it they have this like the bad guys i've always said in anything and i i my favorite movies with a villain are the ones where the like you there's a part of you that kind of agrees with the villain like there's sort of an element where you're like I yeah. kind of get it like it's dreadful but I kind of get it though um and he's sort of one of them he's like you want to rid the world of demons and you're willing to go however far for that to be the case and you're like that's obviously not the way to do it like that's obviously not how it should be done right. but like isn't that what we're trying to do as shadow hunters we're trying to kill the demons and keep the downworld safe. Obviously he's overstepping by getting rid of the downworld as well. And, but it's that tricky balance of like, we're actually fighting for the same thing. We're just doing it at drastically different ways. Yeah. And that I think is what's so cool about this is there's like, there are these elements. And again, this is what reminded me about it in this scene is like, Hodge comes up and he's like, well, I can be part of your team now. And he's like, no, you're a traitor. I don't want a traitor as part of my team. Mm -hmm. And that's how Jace would react. That's how mm -hmm. Alec would react. Like, it's the same thing. There, There is a a world in which you can be, uh, you know, um, rehabilitated, I guess, if you've done something wrong at some point. But if you're a traitor, you're a traitor. Like, I don't think Jace is going to trust Hodge again. You know what I mean? Like, you're a traitor. And that's kind of the yeah. end of it. Um, so again, kind of get it. Yeah, and Hodge has this horrible realization that he thought he'd just gotten his life back, but his life is over. There is nowhere Over. for him to go, nowhere nope. for him to run, nowhere for him to be safe ever. Yeah. He pissed off everybody. Yeah. And again, it goes back to reputation and honor is such a big thing in the shadow world. And once you lose that, 
you lose that for good, which is interesting because considering that's, again, that's why I think in season four, Jason Clary would have had such an interesting arc because both of them had kind of, not of their own will, but had destroyed their credibility in a way. Yeah. And they were the only two people that understood that kind of pain and guilt and frustration with being burdened with a guilty conscience that wasn't of your own free will. Mm. And, you know, having to to reprove themselves to the shadow world. But anyway, I digress. We'll talk about that later. Anywho, exactly. That's for later episodes. This brings us neatly to uh, sort of the the initial separation of Clary and Jace. So Jace's motivations, mm. I was just re-watching this and I'm like, he's so upset. And I'm curious why it turned mm-hmm. to Clary. And I'm... Because he could have used her as like a confidant and whatever. And I think the two things that are in my head, I had to sort of bring myself back to where I was in that moment. The two things that were in my head were mm-hmm. one, I really don't even want to look at you right now. Like I had feelings for you and that's weird and I don't want to be around you because that I'm still sort of dealing with that. Mm-hmm. And two, this like anger, resentment, jealousy that like you, you, although Valentine wasn't there, your father wasn't there, which I suppose long, long, you know, long game, that's a good thing. But you still had your mother, (laughs) your biological mother. You had your sort of adopted father, you know, surrogate father in in Luke. And I think there's this element of like, you really don't get it because I was raised by the other side of that coin. You were kept away from this. I was beaten and broken into it and didn't, and then come to find out that not only were they not my parents, but they were my parents and, you know, this whole thing. And it was, so that I think is an element of where this anger is coming from, where it's like, wow, you you don't get it. And that's really frustrating. Like you don't understand where this is. Anyway, as you mentioned, Jace doesn't deal with his emotions very well. He packs up his gear and he's going on the hunt. He's ready to, he's ready for blood. Mm -hmm. A handful, some might say. (laughs) Oh, you punny man, you. (laughs) And it's it's this is the beginning of something else for Jace that he deals with quite a lot going forward, which is this questioning of what is what part of him is Valentine and what how does being Valentine's son, you know, what kind of effect does that have on who he is? Yeah. Maybe that is where his hot headedness and his propensity for violence and his skill comes from, mm-hmm. but at what cost? Yeah, um, and that yeah that sort of ends up being the congruent through line throughout a lot of season two for Jace is that question of like, who am I? (laughs) Basically. Oh, isn't that what we all just wonder Mm. in the end? Who am I? Who am I? But you know, where do we go? Except we give, we give Luke a call because again, I love seeing this in this episode that we have so much to do with coming together with the down world Mm -hmm. in this and using the down world and these alliances that we've formed Potentially also maybe, you know, destroying them in the process, but yeah. we'll get to that later. We will get to that later. But, um, yeah, that's later this episode and then a whole bunch just throughout the rest of the show. But Luke is on board. I also love this moment that Isaiah has where he's like, Hodge Starkweather, find him, hunt him down. Find him. I want him alive. Yeah, he has this voice. He has this, like, presence. Isaiah does stuff sometimes on set and you're just like, and you just kind of watch it happen. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, oh, shit, I was supposed to say something or do something. I'm pretty sure. Didn't do it. I was just watching Isaiah over there, which is, I just messed up, whatever it was. But he does. He has these moments of, like, yeah. gravitas. 
where it really does. You're just like, wow, that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. You're like, oh, you, you're you're the leader of the pack. But anyway, oh, n- this is now, sorry. It's it's so funny. I forget how much in our show, because we have so many storylines, we're constantly jumping around mm. as things are happening concurrently. So now we have the scene where Alan goes, bye, Felicia, mm, and sends, sends Hodge out to pasture, as it were. Yep. Into the wilds of New yep. York City. He's in trouble. Which brings us neatly to... The, I guess, like the vampire deliberation, like Simon is kind of with Raphael and then Izzy and Clary mm-hmm. need something. So this, this sort of vampire, like, I don't even know how you put it. Like, what's a good word to describe this? Because it's not just a meeting. It's more powerful than that. Like summit. It's like a vampire no, summit. It's, it's, yeah, it's a, sum, it's a va- summit with the vampires. It's, it's, I love it. I love to call this Simon the Negotiator part two. Yeah. Because um, we saw it earlier when Jace needed blood. Now it's happening again, much to Raphael's chagrin. But also what I love here is you get a little bit of foreshadowing of the Clary and Isabel partnership that mm. happens throughout the series. It's sort of the first – one of the first times we th- see these two team up. And it's uh, it's a nice – it's poor Raphael. He doesn't even know what he's in he for. He doesn't know what's coming. The girls will take care of it. Yeah, you got Sizzy They're and so Clizzy much more responsible than us. The girls, they do such a better job. At shadow hunting than like Alec and I who are constantly losing things <laughs> or like dying. Oh wait, or not dying. Nice, covered my ass. Well done, mm-hmm. Dom. Good job. Nice, <laughs> nice. Almost dying. Putting yourselves at risk of potentially dying. That's good. That's very good. Which leads us to the scene that I was I was talking about earlier. And I was so excited to to talk about this <gasps> this fight scene with John Core. I'm glad we got rid of the like dual lightsaber deal because I think that looked a little as fun as that was to train with. I think it looked a little ridiculous, but a lot of fun on the day. Hard work when you're hitting. Uh, I can't remember what these things were called that he fought with. Shurikens, maybe the sort of scythe. That axi- can't be right. Sure, is it? I don't actually know. Oh no, a shuriken's a throwing star. There's sort of these. That's wrong. It's it's for those who haven't seen it. It's kind of like a, an axe without the handle. You sort of hold on to the middle of the axe, blade, scythe type situation. I typed in glaive because that was in my head, but that's not it either. I don't know. Anyway, we got to film this scene in, weirdly actually, the place where we did our first ever promo shoot for the show. We did it. It's in the same place. Oh, yeah. Um, except we were here at like four in the morning filming this. So it was freezing cold. Um, and John was such a trooper and he just like dove into everything. It was awesome. And we really got to have this first like master versus master fight, which was really cool. Like two people who like are the best at what they do and are very much evenly matched. Mm-hmm. Um, and really what what the reason Jace wins is he kind of breaks the rules of engagement. Like he there's, you know, he's won, he's sort of beaten and then cuts his hand off. Brutal. Brutal, full Luke Skywalker mode. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. Well, it just goes to show how kind of unhinged Jace yeah. is, and how much he's starting to question everything. And he's in, and it it's it's a little terrifying because you sort of go, what is Jace willing to do in order to you know t- exact his his own kind of mm-hmm. revenge in this moment and sort of make right all of these things. I also something I forgot is how acrobatic this fight actually yeah. is. And I mean that's a testament to to you and John, but really, actually, Jamie did. Jamie we don't did see a lot of fights like this on on this. They I trained and I got it correct. The big one is the backflip off the wall, 
I trained and I got it to a place where I was happy mm-hmm. with it. And then we got there on the day and we've been filming for 10 hours already. And they just went, look, it's freezing cold. It's solid concrete underneath you. If something goes wrong, then the rest of the shooting day is, is done. I was also quite tired at that point, And I was like, fair enough. Jamie can do this one. Um, and Jamie makes it look yeah. much more professional than I do anyway. So I was happy with it. But John, I think, did all of his stuff. I'm pretty sure this day John did all of the flips and twists and backflips and all that fun stuff. I'm pretty sure that's John. Would not surprise me. Also, um, something else, that hand mm. goes flying. And you actually see it. It's so rare in something that you see get to see Yeah, the it actually goes actually. nuts. So John... This was really tricky, mm. and this took some real t- trust on John's part. I had to be really careful with this. So he is holding the prosthetic by the wrist underneath the sleeve of his hand. Oh, so wow. it's, he's holding it like this, right? Like that there. So I have this yeah. space to hit. And obviously, it would be better to hit like the hand, and then the hand goes flying off, than it would be to hit John's hand and do some damage. But to make it look correct, you have to slice through yeah. that very, very small gap there. And I remember we he would hold it as still as he could, and I would just sort of, almost like a golfer, like I would line up this perfect swing to go through <laughs> and then get to that point. And then as soon as I'm through, then it's like the performance comes back and I get to like act into it again. But that the whole, until I've hit it, I'm just yeah. like, don't cut off John's fingers. Don't cut off John's, cut off the fake fingers as attached to a fake hand yeah. don't touch the real hand even though that's attached to the fake hand just do just straight line Dom that's all you got to do and that's what we did and I think we did it twice and the first one I was too too scaredy and I like I think I hit the top of the fingers of the fake hand and it just didn't look right it looked like the hand just tumbles off and then I think the yeah. second one or the third one we got this and we were like that's the one let's not do it again let's not risk anyone's anyone's fingers because as we find out Actually, these ones weren't as bad. They still hurt when you got hit. But like season two, when yeah. you got hit in the fingers, that yeah. was that was rough. They were, I loved those swords. That was split knuckle city. Yeah, split knuckles, yeah. couple fractured bones every now and then. Brutal. Loved yeah. them. Occupational hazard. A uh, little known fact that I don't know if you remember, Dom. Um, I was not on set for the majority of this day, but this was actually Matt Daddario's birthday. And this was the day that, I don't know if you remember, we all snuck onto set and snuck into Matt's trailer and decorated it. I too remember that. Sang him happy birthday and sent him a video. Because he wasn't, do you remember that? I do remember that. that. Because he wasn't in his trailer on lunch. And we were all going to surprise him, but he was somewhere else. So we just had to make him a video. (laughs) Yeah. Which then some ended up somewhere on social media. Is that the one where you all you all pretended to be dead in his trailer as well, and you couldn't get it right? Everyone started laughing. Yeah, or asleep maybe. We were just trying to be, you know, yeah. as as fun times. You know, straight as uh, Matt Daddario himself, but we couldn't hack it. <laughs> yeah, uh huh. Only Matt can do that. It's a real. It's a real yeah, talent. We can't. We can't do the, um, the deadpan, Matt. We can't. So the end of this scene leads to a handless arrested Hodge and a still fairly single-minded Jace Mm -hmm. using said hand from now handless uh, Hodge he finds himself a Sealy ring a Sealy communications ring which can only communicate to the other ring right it can so he knows who he's calling Mm -hmm. yeah Um, so with this ring he finds himself face to face once again not quite in the flesh, but close to Valentine. True a la Star Wars With fashion. a somewhat morbid foreshadowing promises that 
I am coming for you. And I'm going to make you regret the choices that you've made. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about this as well, a little bit of mythology, is that no one else can hear Valentine in this moment. Only only the possessor of the ring. Just my side, Yeah, they can hear your side, but I have a feeling you're keeping it rather hush-hush. And, you know, they're dealing with- Yeah, well, TV hush-hush, like three or four paces away, complete silence. Oh, yeah, completely. There's no Shadowhunter expert hearing rune, and werewolf ears are not a thing at this moment. Yeah, no, not until we use them for the first time. We write them into the canon. There's so far, werewolf hearing is canonless. Mm-hmm. It's not part of our canon. It's not part of our story as of yet. Not yet. Is it? No, we haven't used it in season one. Now we have Isabel the Distractor at her finest. Isabel being distracting. Yes. As the Isabel that we first met in episode one, she does a wonderful job distracting. Any, well, I was going to say any warm-blooded Creature couldn't help but stop and stare, but <laughs> apparently not just warm-blooded creatures because Raphael caught himself, catches himself being a little allured by the lovely Izzy. Mm, another little bit of foreshadowing, isn't it? Mm. I know. Wow, we really did drop them all in well in this episode, didn't we? Well done, Pete Binswanger. Well done, Pete. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Oh, I have to talk. Okay, now we have Simon pushing a coffin through the Hotel de Mort. I got to talk about this coffin for a minute. I don't, I'm sure you've been, you know, yeah. your vampire days, you've been in a coffin or two. I had never been inside a coffin before. And I was 
curious, nervous, wondering what it was going to be like. I was fine, completely fine with all of it until I accidentally shut my eyes once before they closed the lid. So then I opened my eyes and I was shut in the coffin. Mm. And for some reason, not seeing the lid close what made all the difference. And and the sound inside of the coffin, because it's all padded, right? So you just feel enclosed mm-hmm. and a little bit underwater. And it's not great. I'll put it that way. I'm not I'm not thinking. No, I don't like it as a I'm not, concept. I'm not thinking that that's where I want to end up, you know, eventually. Nope. Not, not my choice. No, it. It's such an irrational fear because the concept of it happening is so slim, but being buried alive is a real fear. Like that's a real, like I have that nightmare at least once a year. I have the nightmare and I wake up with the sweats of like, I'm good. I can get out. Everything's fine. Like what I remember once I had that nightmare and I woke up with my sheets like over my head Mm -hmm. and the panic, like full screw, like, "Ah! Ah!" and then (laughs) the sheets came off and I was like, I'm fine. Everything's I'm good. I'm fine. But a little bit of we came out. <laughs> and that's going to be the promo for this episode. I can almost guarantee it. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably is. Probably is. <laughs> but, um, this, oh God. So this this takes us, so Raphael, Raphael slips Izzy's clutches on his way to, uh, to uh, stop the impending doom of Clary and uh, Simon, mm-hmm. which leads us to Alec and Luke. Which again is this is what we keep talking about on this on this show and what we used to talk about as actors when we were in the show. Fucking hell, the shadow hunters are useless. He literally comes over to Luke to say, "We just got to keep our eyes on Jace. There's something wrong with Jace. We just got to keep our eyes on him, no matter what, and make sure that he's good." Turn around, Scooby Doo style, and they're like, "Huh? Where did Ruh-roh. they go? <laughs> they appear to have disappeared." <laughs> useless, completely useless. Jace does it all the time as well. Completely useless, honestly. But it works for the story. So you know what? I'm into it. I'm into it. I buy it. And now we're back to Simon and Clary about to unleash Camille. Interestingly, this was the last scene that Alberto – this was the last scene that was shot in season one. Um, Alberto and I jumped in a car. You came from this to New York. Yeah, yeah, we met you all at the airport um, to fly to New York Comic Con right after shooting this scene. Wow. But uh, interestingly enough, there she is, Camille herself. Whoa, all right. Calm down. You know, they say people wake up cranky sometimes, but this is a whole other level. Screamy, screamy, Camille? Yeah. That, honestly, I just watched this and it scared. I, I, I knew it was happening, but I think I was like looking away or whatever. And I looked up just as she came up and it scared the shit out of me because I forgot that it was quite so like directly into camera. It was so drastic. Yeah. So you guys chat about, listen, lady, give us the book. That's enough out of you. Just give us the book. And she says, no, take me with you. Not like that. That's why I didn't get this role when I auditioned for Camille. Because oh, that's how I did it. No, take me with you. Uh, I think you were better suited to Dreadful. Jace. I think so too. Something interesting about this is we get into the concept of uh, the vampire sire situation, which we don't we don't play into a lot until season 2B, I believe, when certain other characters enter the story, who we come to love mm-hmm. verily as humans. Um, yes. Not but, as a character, but as a no, person. Not yeah. as a character as much, but as a person, absolutely. But it's this concept of uh, the, whatever vampire mm-hmm. turns a creature, a human, into a vampire, they are that that new fledgling vampire is drawn back to linked. their and linked forever to that other vampire. Which it just it's another nail in the coffin, for lack of a better pun, for Simon that he is forever linked nice. to Camille. 
In the same way, sort of paralleling Jason Clary forever being linked to Valentine. For now. Also, John Core. What an absolute legend. So we, this, I can't remember what happened this day. Um, we find Jace and, uh, and Hodge in what looks like an abandoned warehouse because it is in fact an abandoned warehouse. This is Studio 1B before it was Studio 1B. It was just a storage room for like metallic equipment next to our studio. And come season two, we bought it and turned it into the Hunter's Moon and Jade Wolf and a whole bunch of other stuff, which is Mm -hmm. great. But this day, and I can't remember what happened, but they came to me this day and they went, hey man, something's changed. We're going to film this scene today. And I was like, what do you mean? Because, you know, we prep, like we put work into these ahead of time. And this was scheduled for sort of a week later or whatever. And in my head, I was selfishly thinking about me. And what I should have been thinking about is like, poor John Cor is about to do a scene where he's getting tortured. You're just going to throw this at him? And he threw himself into it so thoroughly. His stump, for lack of a better word, that prosthetic hadn't been made yet. So they just folded up some like paper around his arm and drew blood on it. And that is what this is. Like, it's not the prosthetic. They, that's how quickly we rolled into this scene. No way. Um, and John just does such an amazing job. He's he's this like powerhouse performer yeah. and he does this incredible job. But what's interesting is it come it has come from nowhere. Like there's no prep that went into this. There's no like, even just like when you're acting, you sort of put yourself in the mindset of like, I have a light scene coming up or like, this is a love scene, romance, that's what I have to do. Or like, this is a fight scene, get into that place. Or like, this is a death scene, get into that place. You just sort of put your mindset from the beginning of the day, roughly where you're going to be. And he had to pull this out of his ass. And I think he does an amazing job pulling this golden performance out of his bottom. Indeed. But you know, that's par for the course with John Core. Leaving us with the location of Valentine. But I have a feeling that Valentine... Doesn't want to see. Looks like it takes us back to sneaky, uh, sneaky Simon looking through his little, his little cross-shaped window, not to be taken any further than twenty feet before he is stopped by Raphael. The question then is, who could possibly save the day? Somebody, surely. Q, Isabel Lightwood. Oh no, she doesn't shoot arrows. So what pop? What she does? What pop? It's a podcast, so nobody saw me do that. It's a whoop. Oh yeah, whoopa! That's what she does. <laughs> a little friends reference, Hilarious. reference out there. The, this is like a massive air blast of the wall as well. Is that what they yeah, did? Yeah, they there? did. So the wall, I believe it was, it, they had changed out some bricks for foam bricks, sort of. I think it was actually, you know, when flower arrangements, when you have that green stuff at the bottom that's like the really thick foam? Yeah, yeah. I believe it was that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I don't exactly know how they did it with practical effects, but they blew the wall up basically, but safely. Amazing. And then, you so know, fun. through the wall, walks the sexy Isabel Lightwood in true, glamorous, graceful fashion. There she is. Bringing the daylight with her. Bringing the daylight with her, which seems to take, wait, wasn't it just nighttime where Jace was? Uh, we can say it was dawn. Uh, we can say it was dawn. The coming of dawn. Sure, let's call Little it dawn. Cut. Let's, let's call it dawn. We'll call it dawn. But that it's interesting because that does answer our question from last episode about the daylight and the vampires in our world. Because mm. it's it would not be the ambient daylight then that gets them. It they would have to be in a direct beam of light. Mm. Yeah. In order for it to yeah, affect that's a good them. point. Because this this light yeah. comes in, but it kind of cuts a separation, allowing our yeah. heroes and slightly questionable villain type to get away. That does answer our question. Very good. 
um, taking us to a little walk and talk in a hallway that we have used before and I'm sure we'll use again. Uh, I think oh, yes. episode five, I want to say episode five, we used this in uh, when we were escaping the police station. We were underground. It's our little walk and talk hallway. Seven. Um, seven. But we, was it seven? But we went the other way. So. We were walking the other way. So they're very, it, it could be, <laughs> it could be a completely different completely hallway different for place. all we know. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, it brilliant. Brilliant. What wonderful stuff. Which takes us to Magnus's apartment. Camille, Magnus, Simon, Clary, and Izzy are all in Magnus's apartment. And I can't remember why. <laughs> well, because we have to find the Book of the White. So we're questioning We're questioning Camille. She must have said something. I think she does. I think she does say, like, yeah. I need to see Magnus Bane. And we're like, all right, fine. Fine. What other errands do you need to run, Camille? Do you need, like, Honestly, you know. any excuse. Yeah. Any excuse to go and see the wonderful Magnus Bane. We're like, let's I do mean, it. I it's true. Let's do it. That sounds great. We don't. He is another one. It's so interesting that we don't just. Anytime we need to go somewhere or do something, we're not just like, hey, Magnus, you're literally all powerful. Can you just do this thing for us, please? Yeah. Like anytime we needed to like find something or like destroy something, like we, ne- we never just went like, hey, man, could you, would you mind just sort of giving us a hand Portal here? Portal somewhere, really use it. you know, yeah. But it, that Silly brings us to hunters. a really lovely um, – Oh, because this is what it is. Because Camille demands from Simon a writ of transmutation uh, in order to help us. That's right. And that's 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 a big thing. I mean, that's so right. the writ of transmutation, basically, because Camille broke the accords by transforming Simon into a vampire, she is now it exonerates. It, it, yeah, her. this writ of transmutation exonerates her, and basically, Simon is literally signing his soul away and saying, "I asked Camille to turn me into a vampire." And mm-hmm. so it it takes away any bargaining power that Simon has, and it also, you know, forces him to sort of claim this as something he wanted, which is not – it's not easy to do, nor is it right in any sense of the word. But Mm-mm. as we see time and time again, Simon being the hero that he is chooses to to take it on for Jocelyn, for his mom, and for the rest of the Shadow World. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and as we see a little glimpse of short, redheaded, bad-tempered Frey going, yeah, I'll hold her down if you want to stake her. It's fine. Let's do it. <laughs> but, you know, Simon does the right thing once again. Sounds about right. Alec turns up, poorly timed, bless him, just in time for tricksy, mischievous Camille to start pulling at some heartstrings there, to, to start leaving some threads of cliffhangers, some cliffs to be hung on. Mm. She starts leaving them by slapping a big old kiss on her ex-boyfriend, Magnus Bain. Brutal. <sighs> right in front of his current boyfriend, Alec Lightwood. Unacceptable, Camille. We have some what really poorly you? timed kisses in this show. You know, it's just so the time or, or well-timed. So many. Depending on how you look at it. Or Yeah, well, that's the thing. It really does depend on, on your sort of position there. Mm-hmm. All about perspective. But there's something about this these ancient beings and these downworlders that have existed for hundreds and hundreds of years and have this immortality, there's a, a gravitas to them, but as well as a a frivolity to some of their decisions because they do have all the time in the world. It's a mischief. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a real mischief because it because who cares? Like if I make this mistake, it doesn't really matter because I'm gonna live forever. Literally by definition, if you're gonna live forever, 
for an entire eternity, mm. you're going to make every mistake yeah. because it's eternal. Like eventually you're going to make all the mistakes. So just get this one out of the way. I sort of get this like this weird capacity for immortality where you're like, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It, literally nothing matters. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And it makes sort of all of the immortals, Camille, Magnus, the Seely Queen, it makes them all quite tricksy. Yeah. It makes them all quite sort of mischievous is really the, is the best word for it. And Magnus is really the only one that we're like, we like your mischief. You're quite good fun. We like you. You're well-meaning. You're good-hearted. You care about other people. The others are really just like mischief for mischief's sake mm-hmm. and will take advantage of us lowly mortals along the way. Which, speaking of lowly mortals, you have, uh, <laughs> it's actually, it's it's nice to start to see this transition, even as short-lived as it is, in Alec and Clary's relationship. It's, you get to see why they butt heads, because they both have the same want mm-hmm. to, you know, love and protect Jace, but go about it in very different ways. And And this is one of a few instances where we actually get to see them on the same page of going, Oh no, Jace is on the mm-hmm. war path. We gotta find him. We gotta stop him before he makes a bigger mistake than he is aware of. Totally. Totally, totally. Speaking of Jace making mistakes, the handless, stumbling Hodge is dragged to where we think the boat is. It's now daytime. So go. I'm assuming it, it was dawn when we got him. Yeah. Um only to find no ship, no Valentine, and throws Hodge against the shipping container. Was it necessary? Yes. We all think so. Um, <laughs> so the plans have been crisscrossed at this point. Jace was on the warpath. He was going to turn up at Valentine and do whatever it takes to stop this man from doing what he's doing. Unfortunately, Valentine's cottoned on to Jace's plan, disappeared, and is going after his friends. Because in Panic, true, run, run, run. Yeah, in true bad this, guy fashion. I have fashion. a fun story about this, right? Okay. So in true bad guy fashion. So Kinsey, Alex Kinsey, who wrote the music for this and is an incredible musician, you should check Love it out wherever Kinsey. you are, was here this day. He was here when he was here when we filmed this and watched take after take of me sprinting as fast as I could to get to where we were going. And finally they say, yeah, we're done with that scene. We're going to move on. And Alex goes you're done with that scene, right? And I go, yeah, man. And he goes, oh, okay, good. Cause you kind of make a funny running face. And I was like, what? He was like, you make a funny running face. Like, it's not a big deal, but you make a funny face when you run. I just didn't want to tell you and put you off like whilst you were doing it. But like, I was laughing about it and I was like, wow. Okay. And as soon as he finished saying that miles from behind me, and I think Pierre from behind me go, Hey man, we just need you to do one more. And I'm like, oh no, now I'm fully in my head. And I see Kinsey like sink he's like oh no this is so embarrassing and i did another take of it and i'm very obviously like not like intentionally not trying to pull a face as i'm running and they were like that everyone was sort of like that was really weird we're not going to use that and i think all of the running got cut out of the got cut out of the show because of this super embarrassing super super embarrassing but there you go it happens to the best at least you didn't trip you know i've i've had several of those where i just fall <laughs> or, you know, I'm- not yet not running no not yet. I, Paris actually I had a little trip in Paris but not onto my face well, there you go but it's a fun transition from like sprinting badass going to be the hero to like oh Dom <laughs> I'm just stumbled and I look like a moron
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. This moves us quite neatly onto the stage, whether it's this room or another room, the stage for sort of the finale of what's about to happen for our season one. And it's interesting, you know, when you film stuff like this, we don't know if we're getting a season two. Sometimes shows are very lucky and they get told ahead of time um, that they're going to get another season, which I think actually we were told season two to season three that we have been picked up, were we not? Yeah, we got told season two to season three. That That we we, did, right? Yeah, we got told on set, which was nice because then we were able to sort of plan our lives and have a bit of assurance going into our break. Mm -hmm. But this time we didn't know for six months, eight months, something like that. Six months. Yeah. Six months to the – no, it was six months. And I know why it was six months because it was – that was the contractual stipulation. (gasps) That's right. So they – when you join a show, they have you for a certain amount of time – you know, you sign a contract for six years, seven years, whatever it is. So if they want to continue making the show contractually, you're obliged to go and continue making the show. An absolute dream come true for an actor. So it's not a big deal. You know, you sign away your life. That's totally fine. In between seasons, part of your contract says they have a certain amount of time to tell you that you're coming back or not coming back. And after that amount of time, the contract is then null and void. And either if they wanted you back, you'd have to re-sign another contract and renegotiate or you're done with the show and you contractually do not have to come back. They, I think to the week took their full six months to tell us because the contractual stipulation was six months. And I think it was to the week because I was in London between us. I was in London auditioning. Like I was, I was going out for other stuff because I was like, it's been five and a half (laughs) months and the podcast audience. Exactly. Uh, But like, it's been five and a half months. Like 
it's not looking great. Let's just leave it. But they, uh, you know, told us later on that they had had this plan forever. But anyway, I digress. When you film scenes like this, you don't know if this is you telling the last thing that's going to happen in this story. Like, we don't know. We have no idea. So in theory with us, this is like, we're saying this as Jason Clary's final goodbye. And it's a weird place where you're in because you want to and you hope that this is going to be the case, Mm -hmm. that you're going to continue. But you just don't know. Like, you just have no idea. Um, During this scene, Clary and Simon very cleverly find the Book of the Whites. Indeed. Disguised quite wonderfully as a cookbook. Another callback to the books. Oh, it It is. is. The chicken cacciatore is... um, a big thing in the books. It's Simon's favorite recipe that Jocelyn makes and Clary makes it later. And it's sort of a thing that they share as a reminder of where they came from. And, you know, especially considering that Simon's mm-hmm. human for a lot longer in the books, um, <laughs> they get to live it out a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. It's not much use to him now. Yeah. Um, I also mm. wonder if this is a, a sort of another iteration of Jocelyn and Clary's shared power of disguising things in drawings. Um, whether this was sort of a or mm, or or just a regular glamour, I'm not sure. But it's uh, another sort of shadow huntery wink and a, a nod to Dot, who we miss very dearly. Mm-hmm. Um, Valentine shows up. Yep. Bad news bears. It's not great. Valentine shows up with his cronies. He has everyone held, tied up, swords to the throat. Yep. I'm actually pretty sure which I think is really clever, they have Magnus's hands tied. Because the question, again, like we were talking about earlier, is like, why doesn't Magnus just snap his fingers and do something? But his magic is tied to these motions that he does, Mm -hmm. you know? And they have his hands locked. So he can't move his hands to do what he needs to do with, you know, the magic thing that he does. Um, Which I thought was a clever little, like, oh, we've sort of taken care of that question there, which is good. Valentine gives Jace a choice. Come with me. Be the lieutenant in my new The World Is Gonna End army or lose your friends. Not really much of a choice there. It's not much of a choice. In my head, again, it's one of those things that we never really really discussed and told to the audience, but the show's over now, so I'm going to tell you. Um, Exclusive! The question was always... Did Jace leave because there's a part of him that knows he's Valentine's son and that's where he belongs? Mm-hmm. Which is, the, that thought is in the back of his head. Or did Jace leave because he knows he can be the spy now, completely completely exonerated in Valentine's eyes and get the cup back? Those were the two things going through Jace's head. And the way I thought about it when I was him, when I was when I was stood there in that room and I was looking at my father and I was looking at my best friends and the woman I love, it was 70-30 yeah. in my head. 70%, I'm going to take the cup. I'm going to kill this man. This threat is going to be over. My friends are going to be safe. The human world is going to be safe. The down world is going to be safe. Mm-hmm. And 30%, I wonder if this darkness, if this anger, if this emotional fragility, I wonder if the answers lie with him. I wonder if I'm going to have these questions that I've had for the rest of, for the large portion of my life answered by this man. So there it is, 70-30. That was his motivations. Um, Either way, he says a semi-tearful goodbye or maybe hasta mañana, hasta luego. Maybe. Too long for now. His friends, to his family and leaves 
with the big bad Valentine. And this is, there's another, again, so many nods in this, a lovely nod to the Parabatai relationship. And Alec, you know, Jace knows Alec and knows enough to go, I mean it, don't, don't try. And nah, what is don't, so, yeah. And what is so well, lovely. Because he would yeah. sense that motion. He, like Alec has made the decision, like you have to pre-think about whatever it is you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right before his synapses fire in his legs, his fast twitch muscle fibers, they're ready to go. And right before they fire, Jay senses it and goes, no, st- seriously, don't. Yeah. Don't. I mean it. Because he knows that that's what's about to happen. Yeah. And what's lovely about that is Alec takes it even a step further and takes over for Jace in a way as the leader of this group, but also as Clary's protector because he then knows that, okay, Mm -hmm. Jace wants Clary to be safe, wants her taken care of. She's going to need someone now that she doesn't have Jace. And he also knows that she's going to go running after him with reckless abandon because that's what Clary does. And he literally catches her from jumping into limbo, from diving into, you know, unknown realms of nothingness, nothingness. eternal nothingness. Yeah. And it's, it's such yeah. a lovely turn where Alec has pushed her away for so long and for Jace and for this, you know, this relationship that he doesn't ever know if he'll see his parabatai again. He's taking over and taking mm-hmm. care of what is his as well. And that's, it's a really beautiful yeah. moment that we, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't see that sort of that side of Alec a lot. Mm-mm. And again, who's the first person to rush to Clary? It's, it's quite lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're back at the Institute. Yeah. Jace is gone. Nobody knows where. I know where because I played him and I was there. So I mm-hmm. know where he's gone. But nobody else knows at this moment. Uh, we're back at the Institute. Hodge gets carted In off. theory, with all of the tools we need. Yeah, poor Hodge. Um, we'll see him again later. Mm-hmm. Wink. With all the tools we need... To wake up the lovely Jocelyn. Indeed. To wake up Mama Fairchild. And first, though, we have a lovely little, <laughs> lovely but heartbreaking Simon and Clary moment where, you know, Clary's consoled Simon so many times, and now we get this role reversal where Simon actually is the one who knows his place in this world, and Simon is the one who's on sure footing, and shoots a shot in a way and and says, I've, I've got you. We're going to do this. And then we have an exchange of I love yous, which, again, this is something that you know, I thought about a lot because obviously Clary knows a bit of how Simon feels about her. She's she's aware, but isn't necessarily in a place where she can go there. Mm-hmm. But she needs a friend. And I think the the I love you in this sense yeah. is can be taken a lot of ways, but it's you're my family. You are my rock. You are the one thing in this world that I'm sure of. So I love you. But it it, le- it begs the question because she did invite him to the wedding and there's a part of her that goes, okay, I thought I knew what love was. I thought I knew what these emotions were. But if I thought that was Jace and Jace is my brother, maybe I was wrong about what love yeah. is. And maybe that's Thank so God nuts. that didn't go on in the show as long as it went on in the books Ooh. is all I'll say. Um, I know. Here we are, finally, after 11, 12 motherless episodes mm-hmm. of shadow hunters finally through the magic blue sparkly fingers of the wonderful magnus bane we are about to welcome back jocelyn fairchild to the world of the living out of the green bubble of ragnar fell finally 
Kat, why don't you tell us about this scene? I don't know if I'm even there. Uh, you're not. You are on a boat with Daddy Valentine. Uh, so what we have here, we have the family. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We're just talking. We about have that. the family assembled. We have magical warlock Godfather Magnus Bane rousing Jocelyn from her coma, and again in a moment of gravitas, Luke catching her before she falls to the floor from her magical bubble. And we see, we see this moment, the family reunited. And it's it's actually a really lovely moment. You know, there's when Jocelyn wakes up in the books, their reunion is not quite as sweet. They actually kind of go head to head almost immediately. Um, but in this moment, mm-hmm. Clary's been through a lot. Jocelyn immediately apologizes, and there's a moment of not not now. We'll talk about this later. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about the shadow world. I don't want to talk about family or Jace or anything. I just need a hug. <laughs> I just need my mom. Just need my mom. Just need a hug for my mom. Neutral. Just need a hug. Please hug me. Um, quick note to arguably the scene stealer from this. Fucking Isaiah's arms. <gasps> the size of them. Good Lord. Uh, honestly. Like he picks up Jocelyn and like it's nothing. Yeah. Like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. Just, just like picking up a tray of mimosas. Why that came to my head, I don't know. But that was the first thing that was easy to carry that came to my head. You think a tray of mimosas is easy to carry? Oh, yeah. When you've had as much practice as me, I do it blindfolded. All right. You got to teach me because I do not have those skills. Placement is key. Many years as a waiter, many dropped mimosas. All right, Peter Parker. Um, (laughs) Which, speaking of cups and important precious liquids, Mm. brings us to the final scene in season one. Yeah. Do you want to tell us about this one, Dom? Yeah, lots of questions. Lots of questions. We leave you with lots of questions. Somewhere, where were we? New York? So heading into the Pacific Hudson River? Atlantic Ocean? Atlantic, yes. Somewhere heading out into the Atlantic yes. Ocean is Valentine, stood in front of a fully raised Shadowhunter army, ready to do his bidding, asking them to join him. He's just a man with his son standing in front of an army with Jace asking him asking them to join him with a very very motivationally questionable Jace at this moment join me and my son as this army on a floating op center unbeknownst to anyone else in the shadow world sails off into the distance leaving us on one of the biggest cliff- cliffhangers we ever had on the show and that is the end of season 1 that is it. That's that it. was the end of season one. Whew. Wow, can you imagine if we didn't come back? That would have been brutal. Yeah. Brutal if that's how yeah. we ended it. But Unbelievable. Truly- also, I do just want a quick nod. Credit to the 200 uh, background supporting artist extras, however you refer to them in your country. Um, it was freezing ass cold this day. Like yeah. freezing, freezing cold. And Alan and I had a little space inside and we were good and we could just, you know, nip into the warm and nip back out. But these guys were pretty much out there all night. So every single one of you, if any of you are listening, thank you so much for being troopers. You did an amazing job and the show wouldn't have been the same without you. It's not an easy job and it's often a thankless job and it adds so much to the world. And I mean, as we've seen also, Mm -hmm. you know, in this period of COVID, folks may not, uh, folks at home may not know numbers of people on set have had to be controlled a bit more because it's not, you know, there have Mm -hmm. been times during the pandemic where it hasn't been safe to have large numbers of people in enclosed spaces. So sets have had to get really creative with background essays, whatever you call them in your country, as it were. Um, 
by not having as many. And it really does change how you can tell a story and the sort of effect that you can have visually. And it, you know, moments yeah. like this where you look and you see, as you said, 200 extras on a boat in the middle of the water wouldn't be possible in the last couple of years. And it, mm-hmm. it really does make a yeah. huge difference. Um, so thank you. I completely agree. Essays of Toronto. Yeah. With that actually wonderful note with uh, some of the unsung heroes of Torontonian film and TV making, we're going to say goodbye to season one. Wow. That's it. We've made it all the way through season one. And next up, we've got longer hair, different swords, different color hair for you, different colored runes. Mm -hmm. We've got a whole bunch of changes just kind of right from the off uh, in season two. We get darker and edgier. The words Mm -hmm. that we said over and over and over when we were doing the press tour for season two, darker and edgier, bloodier. Um, And we dive right into some crazy, crazy action. Yeah. Quite literally from the off. We got doppelgangers. We got vampires. Uh, we, we got new stunt coordinators. The amazing Dean Kopkoff, who's going to get a nod. New stunt coordinators. <sighs> we got all of these different amazing things. But for now, you're going to have to wait. And I'm sorry That's about true. that. Um, That's true. But as always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of our journey. Thank you for coming along with us. I hope you enjoyed season one. I hope you enjoyed us reminiscing about season one and talking about season one. Um, if you have any questions or thoughts about season one, Open line of communication, you know, yeah. hit us up. We will Send try and answer questions. or get to or at least think about as many as we possibly can. But for now, we're going to say goodbye and we love you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us. We love you, angels, and hope you've enjoyed going down memory lane and back into the fray as much as we have. See you next season. Thank, Thank you, you for, for returning, returning to the shadows. To the shadows. Return to the Shadows is hosted and executive produced by Catherine McNamara and Dominic Sherwood. Our executive producer is Ling Lee. Our senior producers are Liz Hayes and Diego Tapia, and our producers are Hannah Harris and Kristen Vermilia. Original music by Alex Kinsey and performed by Alex Kinsey and Catherine McNamara. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, Somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.